We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Bardwell. To hear more, please use our media player at PCAChurch.com and join us every Sunday at 1030 at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City. Now join us for the following message. The truth. And that's what we need today, right? Truth. We don't need opinions. We don't need what people are feeling and thinking at the moment. What is the truth? We've been talking about a lot of topics and I thank God for all of your comments because God has been setting people free from tradition. Tradition sometimes will mess us up. It has messed me up for years. I grew up a preacher's kid. I grew up in church. And so I thought that everything that was said from the pulpit was God's word. But it wasn't. Sometimes it was passed down tradition. And that's what everybody believed. And how many know that if it's good enough for grandma, it's good enough. Uh, and I found out that when I began to study the word of God, there were things that were not true that I was told that was true. And it messed with me because I thought, how could somebody I love, somebody I honor, somebody I respect, tell me something that wasn't true? Well, it wasn't because they meant to. It's just because sometimes not everybody rightly divides the word of God. And we talked about that last week, how that the New Testament is not the start of the New Covenant. And sometimes we read some things in the early parts of the New Testament that are not effective after the death of Jesus Christ because that's when the will gets put into action, after the death, right? And so some things that were before his death are now part of the old covenant and now we live under a new covenant. We talked about last week how that we should forgive and forget. And I talked about the forgetting parts, the hard part sometimes, but so is forgiving. And we need to understand we forgive because we have been forgiven. But not everybody can forget. I'm a terrible forgetter. And so today we're going to talk about another thing that messed me up for years. So if you have your Bible, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, holy. Holy. What is holy? What does it look like? What does it feel like? If you have your Bibles, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16. For it is written, be holy, because I am holy. And this verse messed me up for years and years. I would come into the house of God and be so beat up. I couldn't worship. I couldn't lift my hands because I am not holy enough. I couldn't hardly walk into church because I wasn't holy enough. I wanted the, I wanted the whole service just to start off with an altar call so that I could come and get holy. And then I could worship. Has anybody else ever been beat up by the devil like that? Tell you you're not holy. If you did, raise your hand. I don't want to be the only one here. Yeah, I'm, I, wow, everybody. This is a great tool of Satan. It's to say, hey, you're not holy. Because God is holy and, and in him there is no sin. In him there is no blemish. There's no wrinkle. There's nothing. And so you have to be just like that. Perfection must be a part of your daily life or you are not holy. And he beat me up for years. Mark 7, 13 has been the verse I founded this entire series on. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And you do many things like that. For many years, 
for many years, I was beat up and beat down because I was told I had to be as holy as God is holy. And I couldn't achieve that. That mark is so high, I could never achieve that mark of holiness. And so here's what I've had people tell me forever. You must grow in holiness. Holiness. Holiness has gotten messed up by traditions. Messed up. I grew up in the Assemblies of God. I grew up with, with preachers preaching and we are in the Assemblies of God. Even though we have tried to veer away from this word, we are a holiness movement. We are holiness. Now, I grew up to where when people said, oh, they're holiness, you didn't have to ask them. You could tell by looking at them, right? Listen, I grew up with tradition. We grew up with people and we'd see them in stores and stuff and they go, oh, they're, they're the, they go to the holiness church. Oh, what, what does that mean? Well, you can tell by the way they look. I remember um, the ladies had the three buns on the top of their head, one for the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm not kidding. This messed me up because if a woman cuts her hair, she's not holy. Hmm? Now, I got to tell you, most of that hair wasn't their hair. Because I saw some of them shout their hair out. Because they were called wiglets. Know what a wiglet is? A little, just a little thing. I don't have enough hair for all three buns. I'm going to get some more, buy some, and put it on there. But then bobby, pop, bobby pins start flying and hair starts falling out. I'm like, this is scary as a little kid. Like, oh my Lord, she just lost her hair. I don't want that happening to me. I'm not shouting. My hair may fall out. And I make fun of it today because this really messed me up. Holiness was what you looked like. You could tell by what people looked like because they were holy. They, they, they dressed different. I grew up in the Assemblies of God. We are a holy movement. I grew up with tradition that says holiness is how we do life. We look different with our clothing. And here's the verse that got preached so much when I was little. We are a peculiar people. Oh, yeah. Well, honey, we are, we were peculiar. We were so peculiar, I didn't want to be around them in public. I mean, we were that peculiar. I, I worked for a pastor one time, and he was so peculiar that when we went to the restaurant, everybody knew he was praying. He was that peculiar. Because before we could eat, and i just hang my head in embarrassment, he'd stand up at the table at the restaurant. Can you imagine if I did this to you? I take you to lunch and all of a sudden we're at the restaurant. We're at the restaurant for lunch today and all of a sudden I stand up at the table. Dear God, today I want you to bless this food that is upon the table today. I'm not kidding you. And I'm just sitting there going, I don't know him, I don't know him, I don't know him, I don't know him. Because holiness was all about how we look and how we do, right? And it embarrassed me. I became embarrassed of my church growing up. I did not want any of my high school friends to go to my church. Because if I did, then I prayed the whole time, oh Lord, please don't let sister so-and-so. Everybody knows the sister so-and-so, right? Because holiness was, was how we looked. We did not, and it was all about the women. The men got a pass on everything. Yeah. The, the, it was all about the women. The, the women couldn't cut their hair. They couldn't wear makeup. And I remember the first time a preacher said, if the barn needs paint, paint it. 
This preacher don't make a... If it needs two coats, put two coats on there. I, I, the, the women couldn't wear pants. They couldn't wear open-toed shoes. Couldn't wear the color red. On and on the list went. Because that's what they equated. This is holiness. And I grew up with that mentality and it. It got into my spirit that I had to be achieving perfection. I could not have a bad thought. I could not do anything wrong. Or else I wasn't holy. And the Word of God, I just read it, be holy. Be. That's a constant present tense. You are being holy all the time. And I could not achieve it. And I walk into church, beat up and beat down, run to the altar and go, God, why can't I do what everybody else is doing? Everybody else is holy. I'm not. Because there was a truth that got pushed to an extreme and when truth gets pushed to an extreme, it becomes what? Heresy. There's an element of truth, but then it does go... We are to be peculiar, but not in the way we look or the way we you know, do it. It's, we're peculiar in our choices. You are peculiar because you chose to come to church on a Sunday morning. Most people did not. So you are a small minority. You are peculiar people. We should be peculiar in the way that we do make choices in life. We make them based on the leading of the Holy Spirit, based upon the Word of God. Then you are peculiar because that is not the majority of mankind. We are peculiar because we do pray. We do believe that this is the divine, written, spoken Word of God. That's peculiar. But not in the other extremes. And I got nothing but good news for you today. I grew up in a tradition that says you're holy by what you wear, that you are holy by what you do. And both of those are wrong. We are not holy because of what we wear or what we do. There's a lot of answers when it comes to what is holiness then. A lot of really good answers. Because some people say, well, being holy is reading the Bible more. That's a good thing. We should all read the Bible more. Well, holiness is about praying more. Hey, we should all pray more. Nothing wrong with that. Holiness is fasting more. Uh, fasting is a wonderful thing. I thank God that sometimes He'll lead me personally into fasting for a particular thing. Nothing wrong with that. Well, holiness means to give more. Wonderful. Because when we give, we trust God, right? That He will return and bless us. Well, uh, being holy is being to where you serve more. I, I, I do a lot of serving, so I'm holy. Uh, all of these are good answers. But doing does not make us holy. We are not holy by what we are doing. Well, I, I, I tried that for years. I did. Well, I'm, I, I can do all this, but as long as I do something in the church, then that kind of counterbalances this over here, so I'm, when you weigh it in the balance, I'm good. I remember the sermon on weighing things in the balance. That scared me to death too, so maybe I'll talk about that one day. But I tried to go, here's all the things I'm doing, Lord, am I holy enough? And I never got an answer from tradition that says I was. I was never holy enough. There was not much preached on grace. Grace is not what we do. Grace is not what we wear, but grace is what Jesus has already done for us. He's already done it. On the cross, He said, it is 
finished. We do not work to get salvation. The Word of God says once you are saved, then that salvation produces fruit and part of that fruit is the way we live and how we work through our lives, but we don't work to get saved. Christ did all the work on the cross for us. It is done. It is finished. We don't work for it. It's a gift. So it's not our goodness, but it's His goodness that we are saved. And then we get into this whole holy thing. So holy comes from this Greek word, hagios. I remember when I learned this in seminary, I thought, man, we're all just a bunch of old hags. Yeah. Hagios. Hagios has the meaning to be set apart. So when we're set apart, we are automatically peculiar, right? Because we're not like the group of mankind. We are set apart for God, for special use, but we're set apart and we are holy. It has a meaning of wholeness or completeness. Yeah. Wholeness or completeness. Holiness is not progressive. When we get saved, we are as saved as we are ever going to get. The old man is dead. The old life is dead. We have a new life in Christ. You cannot become more saved. You are saved. At salvation, you are also holy. You cannot get more holy. You're holy. Because you are complete. You see, without Christ, our lives are incomplete. With Christ, we that were not whole are now whole because our spirit has been joined with Christ. We are a new creation. Everything old is gone and dead. Everything is now new. And we which were not complete without Christ, we are now in Christ complete. We are whole and we are holy. I got to tell you, when I learned that truth, and I begin to nullify uh, the, all the traditions instead of letting tradition nullify truth. It set me free. I no longer walk in the house of God, beat up and beat down. Every time the devil tells me a lie from the pit of hell that I am not holy because of what I wear, because of what I do, because of what I think, I then begin to stand on the word of God and said, you know what? It is not my work that causes me to be holy. It is the work of my Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. It is finished. It is done. End of discussion. Hallelujah. End of discussion. Holy is not progressive. It is instantaneous. Remember that illustration I gave about marriage? If you weren't here, I'll tell you again. June the 3rd, 1978, back in the 1900s, me and this lovely lady stood in front of a minister and I said, I do. And she said, I do. And instantaneously, the two became one. We are married. We're not kind of married. We're married. Now, did I feel at that moment like I was married? No, I didn't feel it. You know why? Because the first Sunday we went to church, after that we moved to Texas, and the first Sunday we went to church, I stood up because the pastor at that church then, a guest stood out because there wasn't that many people at church. So when you walked in as a guest, you were looking like, 
wild things coming. You, everybody knew you were a guest. So he said, I would like for you to stand and introduce yourself. So I stood up and said, my name is Dwayne Bardwell, and this is my wife, Sandy Gregory. <laughs> and I felt a huge pain in my side. Not only did everybody in church look at us crazy because her name wasn't my last name. It should have been, but I'd never introduced her before as my wife. First time ever. That was weird. Sandy Bardwell? Yeah. So we're married, but I didn't feel married because it's brand new situation. I had to get used to being married and calling her Sandy Bardwell instead of Sandy Gregory. And it took a little bit of time. And when we get saved, we don't feel holy right off the bat. You know why? Because it's a new process. We're trying to get used to being saved and having a new name and a new future and a new hope and going from darkness to light. And so we don't feel holy. Holiness is not about your feelings. I told you, feelings are fickle. One minute you can love somebody, the next minute you want to kill them. Amen. If you haven't experienced that, then you should get married. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. Man, there's minutes. I mean, it changes from second to second. Fickle feelings come in. And boy, I tell you what, if I was holy because of my feelings, it would be fickle throughout the day. Because one minute I'm going, whoo, I'm, you know, I'm doing pretty good today, so I'm, thank you, Lord, I'm holy, hallelujah. The next few minutes, whoo, bum, I messed up. Lord, I need to go repent again for I need to get holy again. It's not progressive. We have a word in our church and in our theology called sanctification. It has two parts to it. When you are saved, you're instantaneously sanctified. You are holy. But then there's this progress of sanctification where you can grow in sanctification. But holiness does not work that way. We are holy because He is holy. And we are His children. We've been made complete in Christ. So whether you feel like it, whether you're having a bad day or not, you're holy. Whether you're acting right or not, you're holy. Because whether you're dressing right or not, you're holy. Because I'm looking around, I don't see too many women that according to our traditions of holiness would be going to heaven in this church today. Most of all, you would be in trouble. Cut your hair, got your makeup on, got your earrings, you're all dolled up, oh my goodness. But we are not there, are we? We are putting tradition behind because tradition can nullify the power of the Word of God. But thanks be to God whose truth is setting us all free today. We realize I am holy because He is holy. It's not because of my hair. It's not because of what I'm wearing, what I'm saying, what I'm doing, how I'm acting. It is because I have a position that is in Christ and that position does not change because of my feelings. Now go ahead and give God a big hand clap of praise. That's truth. That's truth. You're not kind of holy. You're all holy. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17 says this. Know ye not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Do you know that today? You are the temple. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is what? Holy. And you are the temple of God. So if you are the temple of God, guess what? What does the math say? You are holy. If I'm the temple, I am holy. End of discussion. It's not about my works. It's about His work. It's not about what I think or feel. It's about what He said. Who I am in Christ. I am holy. 1 Corinthians 1.30 
It is because of Him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us the wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, our holiness, and our redemption. Those are things that Christ in us accomplishes. We are redeemed, thank God. We don't have any questions about that today, do we? We're redeemed because Christ's blood has washed my sins away. I am righteous not because of my acts of righteousness. I am righteous because He is righteous. And I am holy today because God is holy. He is one complete God and because of my union with Him through salvation, I am holy. I am righteous. I am redeemed. And the Word of God says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Anybody here redeemed? Come on. Say something about it today. Hallelujah. I may not feel holy. There's days I don't feel it. There's days I may not act it. You may look at me and go, boy, he doesn't act real holy today. I may be having a moment. Any of you have moments that turn into minutes? Maybe hours? Maybe days? I just call them moments. They just, they just happen to hook up <laughs> and last longer. Truth says we believe who we are in Christ. It's not what the enemy comes in and lies and whispers in your ear. He's very good at deception and deceiving. We all just need to understand truth. And we all need to grow up. When I begin to grow up, I begin to understand the Word of God. Bible calls it becoming mature. Becoming mature. When we are a young person, Christian, we are just now born again, right? So we are having the process of maturity and growing up. It is not okay to stay a baby all of your Christian life. It's not okay. Now some preachers will, will, will baby you. I'm not a baby and preacher. I don't want to part the whiskers and stick a bottle in your mouth. Uh, once you start getting to where you're, you know, one, two, three years old, you need to start doing something. I, I, you know, I don't want anybody walking in here carrying somebody that's 15 years old. And go, hey, why are you carrying them? Well, they just haven't learned to walk yet. Well, it's about time. They're 15. By the time you started to walk and they're going, goo, goo, ga, ga. What? We would all look around and go, that's weird. Right? Well, it's weird for men and women of God to stay little babies. That's weird. That's not right. That's not part of the process. Babies live by their feelings. I'm going to say that again. Babies live by their feelings. You know? We, a lot of times in church, we go by our feelings a lot. Well, I got to feel like I want to worship. No, you don't. You worship, not worship because you feel like it. You worship because He is holy. That's why we worship. I love the song we sang this morning. Uh, even when I don't see it, He's working. Even when I don't feel it, He's working. I'm like, come on, preach it, girl. Let's go, let's go. Because we don't live by our feelings. Babies live by our feelings. They get hungry. They get, they get a wet, dirty diaper. And sometimes Christians act that way. Why do I want to go to church? Why? Because the preacher went to that side and greeted this morning and didn't come to this side and greeted me. He didn't shake my hand. 
I don't feel like they love me. Yeah. We whine about a bunch of stuff. Babies live like that. Babies live by their feelings. When we grow up, even Paul said it this, he said, when I was a child, I acted like a child. And that's the way you're supposed to act. So if you're a young Christian, it's okay to act like a child. We will help you grow up. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Yeah. Miss Sandy is not going to respond to me whining around the house. She's, just, she's not going to tell me. <laughs> not going to happen. That's why we've been married 42 years. I man up. Yeah. I put away. I, I grow up. We got to put away acting like children spiritually. We got to grow up. We got to act and feel like a man and a woman of God. We got to stop going by our feelings. Well, I don't feel holy. It's not about feeling. It's not, a, it's not a progressive thing. It's a positional thing in Jesus Christ. Because of Christ, I am holy. I don't care what you think about me. I don't care what the enemy's saying to me about me. It's because I am in Christ and the work that Christ did. I am holy. I am righteous and I am redeemed because of the work of Jesus Christ. And that's what it is to grow up. When you grow up, you can forgive people. Right? That's a sign of maturity. Forgiving, you can love everybody. We used to sing songs about it. Old-time religion makes me love everybody. Absolutely. You can. When you grow up. Yeah. You can give by faith. You see, young babies, we don't expect the young babies in the church to give. But we do expect all the mature people in church to give. Not only of finances, but give of your time. Give of your... Wait. Oh, wait. I got it right here. When you grow up, you serve. You serve, yeah. You, when I grew up in my house growing up, you, I didn't get a pass. I had to make up my bed. I had to sweep the floors, mop the floors, wash the dishes, mow the yard, wash the cars. I know that may sound like slave labor, but isn't that why you have kids? <laughs> so they can grow up and do stuff so you don't have to? Yeah. I couldn't wait for my kids to grow up. Hallelujah. And then they left the house and I had to start doing it all again. Man, I got grandkids. I'm praying, God, make them strong. Strong backs and strong arms. So they can serve. Philemon 6 says this, I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Faith needs to be effective. How? Because we understand how God works. We understand who he is and we understand who we are. We have a better understanding and you know what that does? That makes my faith become effective. All of a sudden now, I'm not coming into church getting beat up by the devil anymore. I'm not walking in going, I wish they'd hurry up and get through with the singing and the preaching so I could go get holy. No, I walk in and go, well, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. I will enter his courts with praise. Why? I am a holy, righteous man of God and I'm ready to do warfare today. I'm ready to take the devil and put him in his place. I'm ready to take back everything the enemy's trying to steal from my life, my kid's life, my grandkid's life, from all of your lives, I'm ready to stand up and say, hey, it is mine. We're taking it back. The enemy's taking too much from the church. I went to a basketball game last Monday night. You would not believe what they're doing out there. Went to a basketball game. At this basketball game, 
They had strobe lights. They had loud music playing. They had stuff all of a sudden on the screens that was going crazy. And it was, they had smoke and pyrotechnics and all this stuff at the basketball game for OSU. If you haven't been to one, go to one. It's, it's awesome. And everybody's standing and clapping and woo, and they're yelling at the refs and everything. It was awesome. And I look around, and they're all mostly older than me. What? You're paying to go there, and you're yelling and screaming, and you're jumping, and you're loud, and the music, you can't, I mean, I couldn't even talk to the person next to me. It was so loud, and not one person complained. Oh, I just got up in your business. Not one person complained about the loudness or the, 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 the screens showing, I mean, fast stuff. Not one person, no. You know why? Because it's their worship service. Hmm? The enemy stole all that from the church. Because if you read the book and you read how God set up worship, just think about heaven. Every surface is hard. Walls of jasper, streets of gold, gates of pearl. There's nothing soft up there. Don't fall down in heaven. You'll hurt yourself. <laughs> Everything is hard for a reason. Because of the resonating sounds throughout heaven. Can you imagine millions upon millions of people lifting their hands in unison and everybody shouting at the top of their glorified body voice, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Hallelujah. Can you imagine the sound? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the enemy's taking the sound from the church. In Acts chapter 2, it says, I hear the sound of a rushing mighty wind. Every time God shows up, it's loud. Every time God shows up, there's thunder, there's lightning, there's earthquakes. I mean, God shows up and God shows out. And yet in the church, we go, well, we better be quiet. We should be the loudest thing during the week you go to is the house of God. We've got something they don't have. Everybody was shouting at the game and I'm, I'm doing it too. And the team lost. Everybody like, see you Wednesday. Coming back. Why? Because they're fanatics. They're fans. Hallelujah. Doesn't matter if the team wins or loses. We are loyal to our team. Yeah. We go through the thin years. We go through the fat years. We're going to be there because we are fans. Listen, church, we are here today not because we're fans. We are here today because we are blood-bought men and women of God who've been purchased on a cross, and we are not simply fans. We're family today. Hallelujah. And family gets a little loud sometimes. Listen, we ought to be the loudest, most extravagant thing in town. God says every time you read the Psalms, it's all about the harps and the lyres. It's all about the blowing of the trumpets. It's all about every loud. God says when I come back, there's an angel that's going to whisper. Hey, I think Jesus is about to come back. No, the Bible says an angel is going to shout. He is coming. Hallelujah. 
He's coming. And trumpets are going to sound off. Yeah. It's my trumpet. You, got, you probably got a better one. But when you preach, you do the trumpet yourself. But I got to thinking about this. Lord, we are holy, the righteousness of God. And sometimes the enemy beats us up and tells us we're not. And we sit here in the church sometimes beat up when God's going, all I want is your worship. All I want is your prayer. If you do that, I will come and inhabit that place. And then I will begin to do signs and wonders in your midst. You cannot even begin to imagine. Why? Because I am your father. And I know how to give good gifts to my kids. So, pastor, what does this mean? Does it mean that what I do does not matter? It doesn't mean that. What you do does matter. It does matter because why? Our choices have consequences. There's, there's this sowing and reaping. And it doesn't matter if you're saved or not. The, the process is effective in your life. Because the Word of God says this, Galatians 6, 7 through 9. Do not be deceived. In other words, don't let people tell you this is not true. Because this is true. God cannot be mocked. Cannot. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. God did not come to fix your life. God came to fix you. If He fixes you, then you will begin, begin to make choices to the Spirit, and then from the Spirit you will reap benefits. But if we make choices to the flesh, guess what? You're going to reap the benefits of the flesh. It's just the way it works. So what we sow to, so what I do matters because I want to reap abundant life down here right now, don't you? And the Word of God says He came to give us abundant life now. Right now. Well, if I'm going to have abundant life, then I've got to make the right choices. So the choices should be based upon what the Word of God tells me to do, what the Spirit of God tells me to do, because if I sow to the Spirit, I will reap from the Spirit. Some people go, well, but pastor, I've been doing this and this and this and this and this. And, uh, well, that's, that's probably why you're reaping this and this and this and this and this. Well, I thought God would, would make it different. No, God makes you different. I've had this whole theology going through people throughout time saying, well, I thought if I gave my life to God, everything would be okay. No, you're still going to reap the consequences of the decisions you made before you became a Christian. That's not going to stop. But after you become a Christian, hopefully then you'll start to grow up and mature and then you'll start going, I'm going to make the right decisions. Because as a parent, what do we do? We, we tell our kids, don't touch the hot stove, right? But if our kids touch the hot stove, they're going to get burned, right? Even though we told them not to, they're going to, it's going to happen. A toddler, a, a little baby that's about to get ready, they already have everything they need to walk. They got legs, they got toes, they got hands. They have everything they need to walk. But they're not yet walking because they've not gotten to the level of maturity to start walking. But when that little baby, if you have children, you know what I'm talking about, remember that first child? And remember that first step? 
啊，人在发 ，They walked. I mean, we're telling everybody in the whole countryside. We didn't have social media. We had a phone on the wall. I know what the, I know. It's crazy, but they were stuck to the wall. We got on the phone. We called up my parents. Hey, Tiffany just walked. Really? Where'd she go? No, no, one step. <laughs> and then she fell. And so, as parents, when she fell, what do you do? Well, you kick them. Think about it. <laughs> Dumb kid, get up if you want. I mean. You kick them and stomp on them and tell them to stay down so they don't fall anymore. No, every time I've seen parents do this, every time that kid falls, the parent runs over and picks them up and starts helping them to what? Walk. <sighs> If I had any sense, but I had to mature. God, the Father says, "Hey." Every little goal in your life that you meet, I'm going to celebrate it with you. Can you imagine God the Father looking at you when you were first born and start the first time you took a step of faith? I got to tell you, the first time I took a step of faith, I fell flat on my face. You know what God does as a father? He comes over there and he picks me up. And he goes, "Hey, Dwayne, I love you so much. I'm so proud of you." You're my son. I love you. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fight for you. I'm gonna help you. Let me help you. And he put his arms under me and starts helping me walk. And then he lets go, and I fall. He does it over and over and over again. He doesn't kick me aside. He doesn't say I'm not his son. He doesn't say I'm not holy. I'm not righteous. But no, he picks me up and helps me to walk again and loves on me. And he's so proud of me. And that's what God does for every one of you. Hallelujah. Glory to God! If we make flesh choices, we'll reap flesh consequences. But if we sow to our spirit, we'll reap the benefits. There's two things that we can do: we can quench, and we can grieve the Holy Spirit. Two words. Both of them are bad. You don't want to do either one. And boy, I grew up that anything you did quenched the Holy Spirit. I was scared because they preached a lot about blaspheming the Holy Spirit. I didn't know what it was. I just knew you cannot be forgiven for that one. Ooh, that's a bad one. I did not want to do it. And you know what the enemy told me so many times? You did it. What did I do? You blasphemed the Holy Spirit. I don't even know what that word means. I don't know. Don't have to know. You just did it. Oh, I can never be forgiven. I'll go the rest of my life and never be forgiven. And you can quench and you can grieve and you can bless. I know what, Lord. What is it? You know what I studied about that? Every one of us have our own will. God gave us a free will. You, in our worship service, in prayer, in your life, you can fully let God flow through you, or you can, like a water hose, crimp it. Say, I'm not going to let it flow. The Bible says that He's like a river of living water that flows out of us. But at any time, guess what? I can crimp that hose and stop that flow at any time. Man, during worship today, I was ready to run around, but I didn't run around because I thought, what if we have some guests here today and they think we're not coming back? Preacher crazy. <laughs> but I just felt the presence of God just so strong in my life because because I want God to move like never before this 2020, and I want us to move because of truth. 
that we can take traditions and throw them out the window and, and, and we can allow the Holy Spirit to have its full effect and the power of God to transform us in every way He wants to transform us. But we can crimp that hose and we can stop the flow. We can stop it ourselves. We can say, I'm not going to say this. I'm not going to do this. Have you ever felt like that you needed to raise your hand but you think, I don't know what people are going to think. I'm not going to do it. Hey, you crimp the hose a little bit. But when we have the Holy Spirit flowing through us, it's a river. It's not stagnant. I preached the whole thing on the river a couple of years ago. We have a river. It's fresh water. It's every day. It's exciting. I think, how could anybody ever make this dull and boring? And yet I found preachers and I found people I've talked to make it dull and boring. Church should never be dull and boring. It should be the most exciting, fun, wonderful thing we go to every week. Why? Because it's where we get to fully express our praise and worship. We can fully tell somebody in church, hey man, I love God with all my heart. Maybe you can't do it at work. I don't know. But here you can. Freedom. We, we preached about that this morning. We talked about it. We're freedom. Freedom in Christ where the Spirit of the Lord is. There's a freedom to raise your hands, to praise, to shout. Do it however you want to. But if not, we can quench or grieve. And when we repent, we turn around and we go toward God and we, we begin to have our reaping turning around too. Sometimes it takes a little while, doesn't it, to get all the reaping from all the things you sowed to the flesh. But then all of a sudden you start reaping from the Spirit. John 17, 19 says this, and for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Who sanctified himself? Jesus. Paul sanctified himself. You sanctify yourself through Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 6, 8 through 11. I've got to get to this. Oh, this, is, this is powerful right here. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. The first letter to the church at Corinth. And I love Paul because Paul just throws it out there. He says it like it is. He, he doesn't try to, to whitewash anything. Here's what he says. Instead, you yourselves cheat and do wrong. Isn't that wonderful? Boy, I'd build you up right there. That's what you want to hear your preacher preach about on Sunday morning. I feel so good. Pastor said I cheat and do wrong. And you do this to your brothers and your sisters. That's even worse, right? Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? And then the same phrase again. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And this is what some of you... Say it with me. And this is what some of you were. Some of you were. It's what some of you were, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Paul says, hey, the church is made up of a lot of were. Some of you may have been cheaters, wrongdoers. Some of you may fit into one of those categories. In that, but that is what you were. But now you have been washed 
by the blood of Jesus Christ. You have been sanctified by the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You have been justified in Christ. That word justified means, it means just as if I have never sinned. That's the way God looks at me today. Just as if I've never done anything wrong. Why? Because I am holy. We are all a bunch of words. We were in darkness. We were in sin. But Christ found us and washed us and cleaned us up and we are the holiness of our God today. Somebody giving praise for what you were but now what you are. Hallelujah. This is what I am. Hebrews 10.10 And by that will we have been made what? Holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. We are made holy because of what we do? No. We are made holy because of what we wear? No. We are made holy by how we feel? No. We are made holy because of the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Hallelujah. Come on. Give him your best praise right now. Hallelujah. Give him your best. Come on, PC. Give him your best right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I am holy in Christ. 2 Peter 1.3 His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. We already have everything we need through Christ Jesus. Not in us. But I'm just a temple. And because I'm a temple, I am holy. I am righteous. I am redeemed. I have been given everything I need. Now I just need to learn how to walk it out. I need to learn how to grow up. I need to learn how to think right, walk right, talk right. I need to learn how to make the right choices. But guess what? If I fall, here's what happens. Proverbs 24, 16. For though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. Hallelujah. But the wicked will stumble when calamity strikes. When we fall down, guess what? The Father comes over and He picks us up. He says, come on, rise up, child of God. Rise up on wings of healing. Rise up where you are supposed to be. You're my child. Act like my child. Talk like my... You're royalty. We are the righteousness of God today, church. And I'm tired of the enemy beating us up. I'm tired of the enemy beating the church up and saying, hey, you've done this and you thought that and you're not this and you're not that. He's a liar. The Word of God says every word that comes out of his mouth is a lie. Every word. And every word that comes out of the mouth of God is truth. And I get excited about truth. So guess what? When I got liberated in this truth, I never have again walked around beat up. I'm not the one getting beat up. I'm the one doing the beating up. <laughs> I'm the one on the offense now. I'm not on defense. The Bible says as a church, we're to storm the gates of hell. We don't sit back and go, let's just stay inside of here and hope we make it till Jesus comes. No, no, no. We go out of here and we bust out of here and we go out and we win the lost, right? We find those who are not yet informed of truth. Some people think this is all there is. 
They think that. I believe this is the worst it's going to get for us. Our best is yet to come. Because we are in Christ. And if we die in Christ, we're present with Him. To be absent in the body, to be present with Christ. If we live till He comes back, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we shall all be changed. Mortal puts on immortality, corruptible puts on incorruptible, and we will immediately rise up. And I think it's time for the church to rise up. I think it's time for us to stop getting beat up and it's time to rise up. It's time to grow up and it's time to get up. It's time this year we're going to take down the gates of hell instead of having hell disarming the church. It is time for us in our prayer time to begin to take the offensive and to say, you know what? I'm taking back what the enemy's trying to steal. I'm taking back my kids. I'm taking back my marriage. I'm taking back my life. I'm taking back. I'm taking back. I'm taking back. I had a testimony this morning of a young lady who walked to me and her eyes are just lit up up lit up because now God has set her free for some things in her life she says I have never had such a clear mind in so long thank God for that hallelujah glory to God that's what God does we've, we've got a lady sitting right back here Miss Irma uh, last Wednesday night church first time in a few months but a, a couple of months ago just before Christmas they were getting ready to go on a trip, and Miss Irma all of a sudden uh, had an incident, didn't know anything about it, but she had a brain bleed. People die from brain, brain, brain bleeds. Immediately, they took her to the hospital. They began to air flight her. Now, she is not really there. She, her, her mind is... And so one of the attendants comes out and says, uh, Ma'am, if, if you can hear me answer, but we know you're very, very sick. And you know what she said? I am not sick. I am healed by the stripes of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's what she told him. And then they said, um, we, we know you're not in your right mind right now. <laughs> I can imagine that's what they think after she said that. We know you're not in your right mind. She goes, you know what? I am in my right mind because I have the mind of Christ. Start quoting the Word of God. Now listen, everybody that's gone through a brain bleed will tell you, you are not conscious of what you're doing and what you're saying. She remembers none of this because her daughter had to tell her because her daughter was there what she did. But you know what she was going off of? She had trained her brain. She trained her brain to go, when I'm in trouble, you know what I lean on? The Word of God. I'm not going to listen to the attendants. I'm not going to listen to anybody else. I'm not going to listen to doctors. I'm going to hear what the Word of God has to say. And she is here today. They, they lined up all kind of therapy for her. Speech therapy, physical therapy. I mean, they had about four or five therapists coming in. And she didn't need any of them. Hallelujah. Her speech is fine. Her motor skills are fine. I'm telling you, church... If you say there are not miracles today, you're looking at one right back there. Miss Irma, raise your hand up right there. That's, just, that's a miracle. That is a miracle of God. I'm not trying to make this happen. If you know David Stern, know him, commissioner of the NBA, he died last week because of what? A brain bleed. That's how serious this is. And she is in the house of God today, worshiping God. And I don't think she was quiet. I heard her back there from the front row up here, worshiping and praising God. Why? Because God's word is truth. Hallelujah. It will never fail you. It will help you in times of trouble. Would you stand with me?
Join us anytime at PCAChurch.com and every Sunday at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City.